We're starting a period called Bein HaMetzarim, the three weeks which go from the 17th of Tammuz until Tishabav, which is a time where we reflect about what we used to have as a Jewish nation and what we lost. And in the middle of this, we have this week's Torah portion, Parshas Pinchas, which devotes a long time talking about all the sacrifices that were brought up in the Beis HaMikdash, the daily sacrifice, the carbon Tamid, the sacrifice of Shabbos, Rosh Chodesh, Pesach, Shavuos, Sukkot, Shmini Atzaris, Yom Kippur, you name it, everything is written in this week's parasha. Says this Vasemes, that this is not by chance. But our sages wanted us to remember what we used to have during these weeks. Because it's so easy to forget and think that what we have now is the normal. But no, this wasn't the case. There was glory to the Jewish nation. Shabbos in the Beis HaMikdash was special. The sacrifices, the Levium singing their songs, the people coming together, the unity, the divine presence that was felt in this holy city of Yerushalayim, especially in the Beis HaMikdash. We wanted us to read and reflect about it, that all this we don't have today. And the more we long for it, and the more we tell Hashem how much we miss it, the more chance there is that Hashem will look at us and say, if you're missing it, let me bring it back for you. Have a beautiful Shabbos. Our sages teach us that when we get up to heaven after 120, they're going to ask us, the peace of Yeshua, did you yearn for redemption? And the question is, why is it so vital to yearn for redemption? What would it be if a Jew says redemption is nice, but I didn't spend my life yearning for it? What would happen? Says the morale, this is exactly what would happen. Anything that comes from above, Hashem is always ready to give us unlimited bounty, unlimited blessing. He says one thing you need to do down here, and that is prepare a place for the blessing to come, to be received. You need to make the vessel, the receptacle for the blessing to come into. Now the son is called Yeshua, the son is called redemption, but what is the receptacle? What is the vessel that receives this thing called redemption? And the Marah reveals that the longing and the waiting and the yearning, that in itself is the receptacle that receives this beautiful thing called redemption. So if we don't wait for it, then Hashem will say, I'm ready to give you the Yeshua, I'll give you Mashiach, but he's got no home to go to. During this time of year, when we spend so long yearning for Mashiach and the rebuilding of the Beis HaMikdash, we have to realize that our yearning is not for nothing. Our yearning is creating the vehicle and the receptacle and the vessel that as soon as Mashiach wants to come, he has a home to go to. May Mashiach come in our beautiful vessel of longing that we've prepared for him all the year and especially during these weeks. Our sages teach us that any generation that doesn't merit to rebuild the base of Mikdash, it's as if that generation actually went ahead and destroyed it. And at first glance, it seems harsh. It seems a little bit of a stretch because yes, we didn't merit to rebuild it. But to say that we're so bad, that means it's as if if we would have been around in those times, we would have gone ahead and been the catalyst for the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash, that seems a little much. So this Fasemis gives three approaches, and each one of them is so valuable in our understanding of our relationship with Hashem. I would like to spend the next few days going through each one of his approaches. Approach number one that he says is, is that we don't realize how much HaKadosh Baruch Hu is longing to rebuild the Beis HaMikdash. He says, if we would only know how much Hashem yearns and desires to rebuild this Beis HaMikdash, we would realize that the second word, the Jewish nation is worthy, it would be up in a second. So we think that to rebuild it is a huge deal and we need a lot, a lot, a lot of merits. But it's not the case. Hashem wants the Beis HaMikdash so much and the second we would be good enough that it would be passable, the Beis HaMikdash would be up. And therefore, if we didn't do that, it means it's as if we destroyed it because we haven't done enough 
Our sages teach us that any generation that doesn't merit the rebuilding of the base of Mikdash, it's as if that generation went ahead and destroyed it. At first glance, it seems harsh. It seems a little bit of a stretch. Because to say that we didn't have enough merit to rebuild this great base of Mikdash, all right. But to say that means that we're so bad that we would have gone ahead and destroyed it if we would have been around in its times, that sounds a little much. So the Svasamas gives us three approaches to this question. And each one of them is so valuable, I want to spend the next three days discussing each one of his approaches. Approach number one, he says like this, we don't realize how much HaKadosh Baruch Hu longs to rebuild the base of Mignesh. We think that's a big deal and we need millions and millions of credits to get this base of Mignesh up. And he says it's not the case. Hashem is so desperate, so to speak, for this base of Mignesh to be back up that the second will be good enough, the second it's passable, the second we did enough deeds that it's okay for it to go back up. The base of Mignesh is up before we know it. And therefore, if we didn't do that, it means we didn't even do that, which means that it may have been destroyed in our days. Because Hashem is yearning for the base of Mikdash way more than we can even imagine. The second it's able, and the second the Jewish nation have done enough that it's passable, the base of Mikdash is going to be up. Our sages teach us that any generation that doesn't have the base of Mikdash rebuilt in their times, it's as if that generation went ahead and destroyed the base of Mikdash. They destroyed the temple. And at first glance, it seems to be like a harsh statement. It sounds a little bit of a stretch. Because yes, we weren't great enough to merit the rebuilding of the base of Mikdash. We didn't do enough for that. But to say that that's big enough, that's bad enough, as if we destroyed it, that sounds a little much. So the Sfasamas gives an eye-opening approach. And he says, we only ask this question because we don't realize and fully understand how much HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants the rebuilding of the Beis HaMikdash. If we would know how much God yearns to rebuild the Beis HaMikdash, we would realize that the second it's passable, the second the Jewish nation have done enough, the second we've done that it's okay to rebuild the Beis HaMikdash, the Beis HaMikdash will be up before we know it. And it's only not like that because apparently we haven't even done enough for that. So we have to realize that if we didn't merit it rebuilding in our times, that means that we haven't done enough for Hashem to pass approval and say that the Beis HaMikdash could be rebuilt. Our sages teach us any generation that does not merit the rebuilding of the Beis HaMikdash in their times, it's as if that generation went ahead and destroyed it. And at first glance, it sounds like a little bit of a stretch, because yes, we didn't do enough to merit it to be rebuilt. But to say that we're so bad, that it's as if we destroyed it, that sounds a little much. Says this Vasemis, we only ask this question, because we don't know and fully understand how much God yearns for the rebuilding of the Beis HaMikdash. If we would know how much Hashem wants it, we would realize that the second it's passable, the second we've done enough, the second it's been that the Jewish nation have just enough credits to have a Beis HaMikdash that would be okay, the Beis HaMikdash would be up before we know it. And if we didn't do that, it's because we haven't done enough merits that it's even okay for a Beis HaMikdash to come up in our times. Hashem wants the Beis HaMikdash so, so much. The second we're worthy, the Beis HaMikdash will be rebuilt. I want to share with you one of the most powerful pieces in the Mahara that I've ever seen. I saw this and I was literally blown away. He says, why is it that this exile that we're in is going on for thousands of years? The other exiles weren't as long. They were 70 years, 400 years. Why are we in such a long and deep exile? Says the Maharal, here is the secret. Redemption comes from above, from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, from God Himself. 
But not every redemption comes from as high of a place as others. Some of them come from a little bit lower down. And the lower down they come, the faster it takes for them to reach us. So he says, the redemption from Bavel, the Babylonian exile, 70 years because it didn't come from such a deep place. The redemption from Egypt was already from a deeper place and it took a little bit longer. It took 400 years. He says, the redemption that's about to come to us, hopefully soon, is coming from HaKadosh Baruch Hu himself. It's coming from God himself from such a high and lofty place that it's taking thousands and thousands of years for it to reach us down here in this world. So don't be disappointed by how long it's taking. It just means that we're getting a big, big package from a place way high above and beyond us. I want to share with you one of the most beautiful pieces from the morale that I've ever seen. He asked, why is it that this exile that we're in is thousands of years long? The other exiles we've been through were shorter, 70 years, 400 years. Why are we in such a long and deep exile? Says the morale, here is the secret. Redemption comes from above. It comes from Rakadish Baruch But not all redemptions were equal. Some redemptions come from a lower place, not so deep. And some of them come from an even higher place. And he says the redemption from the Babylonian exile took 70 years to reach us because it didn't come from such a lofty place. The redemption from Egypt took 400 years because it already came from a much higher place. He says the redemption that we're waiting for today from this exile is coming from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, from God Himself. It's coming from the highest possible place. And that's why it's taking so long to reach us because it's from such a deep and lofty place that it's taking thousands of years until it could reach us down here in this world. So we shouldn't be upset why it's taking so long. It just means that we should await a big package when it finally comes. We're in a period of time where we feel like we're a little bit pushed away. It's a little bit hard to become close to Hashem. It's a time of mourning. It's a time where we reflect on the destruction of what we don't have, not so much on what we do have. The Chedush Arim says a beautiful, encouraging thing. He says when the king is home in his palace, He's not available for commoners to knock on his door and make an appointment with him. But when the king is out of the palace and he's walking through the streets and he wants to see what's going on, any commoner could just go over to him and introduce himself. Says the Chedesh Harim, this time where we reflect on the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash, that means that, so to speak, the Divine Presence is not at home. The Divine Presence is walking through the streets right now. And this is an incredible opportunity for any of us to just go over and introduce ourselves and say who we are and ask for a relationship because the king is in the street. The king doesn't have a home because the divine presence is in exile. Go over, say hello, and make a connection that's going to last an entire year. Our leader Moshe is told towards the beginning of Parsha's Matos, take vengeance on the Midianites, and when you've done that, you'll be gathered to your people, which means... As soon as he's finished this mission, he's going to die. Moshe immediately calls the people, and he tells them, we got to go ahead and do this, and they go ahead and take vengeance on the Midianites. Rashi points out something amazing. Moshe knew clearly that the quicker he does this mission, the quicker he's going to die, because he was told, as soon as this is done, you're going to die. And nevertheless, he did it immediately with joy. What would we do in his situation if we would know that doing a certain mission would mean that we die? We would procrastinate. We would push it off a day, a week, a month, a year. Moshe Rabbeinu did it immediately with joy and he had no qualms about the fact that this is going to cause him to die earlier. And I believe the reason is because Moshe was the most humble of all men. And humility means 
That it's not about my agenda. It's not about myself. It's about fulfilling God's will. And if he wants me to do this, it doesn't make any difference if this is going to cause me to die. Because it's all about fulfilling Hashem's will down here in this world. Have a beautiful Shabbos.